Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, what clues lie within the latest Avengers Endgame trailer? Is it time to be part of a division once again? And just what is Microsoft doing with Xbox Live? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is our trailer evaluator of Humanica Media. you got to check out everything that's going on today at humanicamedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Another great day for trailers, my friend. The big one popped today, and I'm just so excited to talk about it. Yeah, it was a very unexpected drop, and I finally did watch the Aladdin trailer too, so that looks pretty cool. But um, yeah, that was an unexpected trailer drop this morning. Excited to talk about it. We've got a lot of things to talk about. It's just going to be Josh and I talking right at you here. No guests on today because there's so much to talk about when it comes to the world of pop culture because so much is happening right now. We are going to be talking about the Avengers Endgame trailer here in a second. Plus, also as well, later on in the show, we're going to be talking about the release of Division 2. That's right. Ubisoft's latest game is going to be hitting shelves. And I'll tell you what, a lot of people out there are looking for this one to be as good or better than the original Division. We'll be talking about that if that's possible. Our thoughts on Division 2 and if we think it still will hold up in a different age than when the first one came out because... The Battle Royale genre really didn't hit then when the first one came out, so it's a completely different story now. We'll talk about the possible success of Division 2 coming up later in the program. Plus, speaking of video gaming, Xbox Live is making some inways into different avenues for their service, plus also some of their older games in their library as well. So we're going to be talking about Xbox Live's expanding reach, what could possibly be their motivations behind it? And also, why are they releasing now, finally, after so many years, the different versions of Halo when it comes to Halo the Master Chief Collection for computers? 
Josh has got a great game that he's been playing. He wants to talk about that. Actually, he wants to give some love to the developers of a great game he's been playing. That's coming up on the back end. Plus, we're going to ask a question to you that I know is going to create and stir some controversy. And I mentioned this on our Captain Marvel spoiler cast. And that is, is Captain Marvel essential viewing for the MCU? That's right. It's Captain Marvel essential viewing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you need to catch up on it, let's say someone is a casual fan out there. Is this a movie that's out currently, which is going to do gangbusters again, right around 60 to $70 million at the box office here in the United States, plus probably another 150 to possibly even $200 million worldwide. It looks like it's getting closer and closer to even the billion-dollar mark, but is it essential viewing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? We're going to touch on that at the back end of the show as well. But my friend, I was worried that we were not going to have really something that really was going to grab people at the front of the show coming into Thursday. But lo and behold, Marvel saves the day once again. My girls were so excited. They're screaming in the back of the car. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No, Avengers trailer. Oh, my gosh. And they got so excited about it. I didn't even know it was going to hit. This was a complete surprise. I think a lot of people were pointing towards right around where Shazam was going to be opening up to go ahead and just try and put one to Shazam on DC and Warner Brothers. They thought that's when the trailer was going to drop. Going back through Marvel's history as far as when they put out things, as far as their trailers are concerned, they usually put one out around the time that tickets are made available. Tickets aren't made available as yet, but still, they dropped it. And they dropped it really quickly right after Captain Marvel's release. So first off, I want to ask you this, my friend. When it comes to the Avengers Endgame trailer, when you first saw it and you first started taking everything as a whole, before we break down any little bits and pieces of the trailer that you want to go into, your first thoughts on the actual trailer itself, is it something that really was good, better than, or not quite as good as the first Endgame trailer? It was certainly unexpected. It's not as good as the first Endgame trailer because that was the first time we're seeing footage of it. But it did. It appealed more to the emotions than the value of seeing footage for the first time. What would you call that? Surprise, I guess. Well, I'll say this. I think this trailer was a little bit better than the first trailer because it showed more. And it, like like you said, it was just going off the emotions. A lot of it was emotional throughout the the entire trailer that that brought out those emotions with them and also brought out our emotions as well, watching it. Yeah, because they kind of recapped a lot of what happened in previous movies. And I love what they did with the colors. You know, they had the black and the white and they had, you know, red with Scarlet Witch's clothing and the, uh, I always forget the lady's name from Black Panther, but. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I know there's some controversy over her name not being on the poster, but it was a very cool use of colors, black and white. They made you kind of feel like you were going back in time, the memories, the thing with Thor and Odin, stuff like that. Yeah. Captain America, they oh, were very. The, the, some of the flags were were colored red. Just brief yeah. bits of red, like during Peggy Carter's funeral. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Like they did a good job of appealing to your emotions because even though you weren't being fed new footage in those scenes, you still felt attached to the characters. Like your nostalgia kicked in, or you you felt like I don't know. It's a weird thing, almost like they were part of your family, you know, and you felt like. Like you, you could, you wanted to stand behind them and support them through whatever they were going, and that was really great editing on the part of whoever made that trailer. But yeah, what did you think of it? 
I thought it was very poignant. I, I did like the fact that it was a new way to show the old footage than just show the old footage. It gave it a new spark to it. It gave it a new substance to it and a new layer of depth I never really experienced before when I watched those scenes because they were just basic scenes. And some of them we were just basic scenes. Like when you were looking at Thor's home planet, that was just a wide shot of Thor's home planet. But in scene with a black and white film with just a touch of red here and there gave it an entirely new perspective. And the same goes for even after the crash scene when he's just lying there in the desert with all the pieces around him and you just see that hint of red in the black and white. I mean, it just gave it a whole new vision as far as that. And it gave it more weight. Those scenes were not really that important in their context of their own movies, but within the confines of the trailer itself that we just saw, it gave it a whole new meaning and a whole new importance of what we're seeing. Because with a lot of these, what, first generation Avengers, this will probably be the last time we'll be seeing them. And by showing these old clips from them, these old random clips from their origin stories, it just makes it so much more enjoyable to watch because it's like I said, it's just a new and complete different slant than what we've seen before from those just those generic shots that, that were just in those previous origin movies. Right. And the narrating helped too. But it's it, a lot of people like you and I, you know, we go back and I'm sure we watch the Marvel movies frequently, but a lot of people haven't gone back to those times since the movies came out. You know, they just kind of watch them as they they come out don't don't really feel the need to marathon them at all as the as new ones come out and the series progresses but you know it, it is kind of like it's like popping open an old photo album and kind of going through you know stuff you don't you know stuff from 10 12 15 years ago that you don't remember you're kind of scrolling through you're like oh such such fond memories and then you kind of forget like how much some of this stuff meant to you when it came out or you looked at it back then and you didn't see the potential of what it could become and now here we are 10 years later seeing the culmination of all that and what it has become and all of a sudden maybe taking a walk down memory lane could mean a lot more to us now than it did back then the first new footage of avengers endgame was actually a scene between hawkeye and i believe it was his daughter and teaching her how to shoot uh, a bow and arrow and obviously it was a bullseye from the get-go and he was very happy it was a very touching moment between father and daughter. Your thoughts on actually placing that as the first new footage from Avengers Endgame. And what does that tell you about as far as where or how important Hawkeye is to the film? Because he's in several scenes, some as Ronan and some as Hawkeye. You know, the, the Hawkeye scenes, I have a feeling are all going to be flashback. But the scenes of him as Ronan, like those are important scenes because Ronan is basically him shedding his humanity to do what needs to be done like he basically becomes frank castle when he becomes ronin like there's no not he holds nothing back violence is necessary whatever it takes like that's because you know if you've ever read the comic books and in the ultimate continuities especially graphic because it was shield that killed that killed his family and so like he got super bloody in that but you know with with the movie i we're gonna get a you know a more pg rated version of that but I feel like that scene with his daughter is maybe it's going to be a, a shout out to a future young Avengers film. And that would be cool. But also I feel like that's going to be kind of the main 
thing that propels him into madness or into Ronin, so to speak. So he's going to keep looking back on that memory of him and his daughter. And he's that's going to be something that, that kind of really motivates him to do what needs to be done even more so than the death of like his wife and his son and stuff like that. But there also were scenes of him as Hawkeye running from whatever tunnel he was in as far as an explosion coming up. Plus also scenes, very intimate scenes with him and Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson's character, very touching moments, whether it was for, with, for friendship or something else, as far as there's obviously a connection and they, the Russos wanted to go out of their way to make sure to let you know that there is a connection between those two that is just more than just uh, a working relationship or whatever it is that they've had over the course of the MCU films. That, that we knew they were close to an extent, but it looks like they were just a lot closer than a lot of people had imagined their relationship to be. Right. So, I mean, that could really be one of one of two things. Like maybe he feels because we don't know how many years have passed, right, since the, the, the snap, so to speak. So maybe a relationship did form there between him and him and Black Widow. But that also leads me to a question like, you know, I, I don't want to turn Black Widow into a trope, but like, would that ruin kind of what they're trying to do with her in future films? Like saying she needs a man in her life to kind of be who she is. So that's one question to consider. But another question to consider is like, maybe that's just a natural progression of things. You know, after his wife died, that's what happened. And maybe he felt like he didn't know that they could be brought back to life. So that's just what he pursued because he needed, maybe she was what, kind of distracted him from his pain you know if that's the the route that they're going and what's cool about this is i really don't know you know that this is a relationship that's not explored in the comic book so it's interesting because i have no idea what's going to happen so all i can do is speculate on this because they were holding hands they're obviously holding hands so something something important was going on something intimate was going on but what was it because in the comics he's a ladies man after his wife dies though yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little bit different in this scenario, and they've actually portrayed him a little bit different. Well, to an extent, they've portrayed all of the Avengers different from their comic book counterparts. So why should Hawkeye be any different? So especially after the loss of his family, you're right. He could have been reaching out, and she could have been reaching out to him as far as something of the, of, because of the bond that they had over the course of many years. And it looks like something may have developed or may be developed as far as between Hawkeye and Black Widow. So that's very interesting. And obviously I want to see more about that relationship and how does that tie into the Black Widow movie that hopefully, I think it's going to be out next year, if I'm not mistaken, or is that uh, 2021? I thought that was on a 2020. I thought that was a slate of next movies. They actually haven't really announced anything outside of Spider-Man with for sure dates. I know I saw rumors floating around of uh, Namor being in a Doctor Strange or Black Panther sequel. So I don't know, but they haven't given anything dates or solid windows yet i know it's going to be in production soon so if that's the case most likely it would be a 2020 start date but i'm sure we'll be able to report at some point in time very soon right there on our pop culture cosmos social media so you'll be able to check that out but the, the, for me the trailer itself i, I really enjoyed it uh, i saw a lot of different dynamics a lot of people still devastated by what you're saying the snap is and you don't know about the course of time how many years this is going by because just take a look at Black Widow's hair alone in the trailer because it takes different colors, different styles, different lengths over the course of what could be years. And it just 
you don't know the kind of things that went on if if they were dealing with all this pain for such a long time. To me, that's something that is very intriguing as far as an emotional scope, an emotional roller coaster that the audience may have to endure through as well during the course of what is purported to be a close to three hour movie. So I thought that was interesting. What do you what do you think about that as far as just looking at the fact that uh, the characters themselves, but especially when you see it from Black Widow's uh, perspective with her hair, you see, you know, there's there's got to be a a time frame, a, a longer time frame for this to happen, just based off of the colors of her hair changing and all that. So, and it looks like if that's the case, they were probably dealing with the the effects of the snap for for quite a spell. Yeah, well, because obviously in the last trailer we saw you know deserted stadium stuff like and we saw newspapers right we saw newspapers obviously if for enough newspaper clippings like that to accumulate it would have to have taken place over a a, a an extended period of time so and you know it, even in the the end scene for captain marvel they showed you know we've been researching this device for a long time yada 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 and there there's obviously a lot of i would say a lot more than weeks put into trying to figure out what that thing does so it makes for interesting storytelling too like what happens you know where where did what happened in that that span of time and how did these characters develop because obviously we want to see them and you know this sounds bad but we want to see our favorite heroes in a state of of wreckage right we want to see them hurting and and reeling from these events and that's what makes it cool is that they're they're going into it they're not their happy-go-lucky selves they're all hurt and broken and that's going to be a, a side of these heroes that we've never seen before. And what I find even more interesting is that we have not seen what seen Thanos in any of these trailers, right? We haven't seen what, what he's doing, what he's up to. Are they going to encounter him in the quantum realm because they're wearing the white suits? Or is he going to be, is modern Thanos going to catch on to what they're doing? We haven't seen what he's doing or what he's up to in this film. And that's what's incredibly interesting to me is that did he really think that he was going to get away with this without any repercussions? And you got to take a look at the time frame as well, because during the course of the actual trailer itself, there seems to be one cataclysmic battle that you see Captain America, Ant-Man, Nebula, and a couple others. They're fighting for their very lives within the context of some type of battle. But then you see them in another uh, part of the film in the all-white avenger suits but in during the cataclysmic battle that i was just talking about they were in their regular outfits that we are all familiar with from various movies of the past but again at they were at the you know near the end of the trailer in a clip all walking and heading in a direction side by side towards whatever they were going to be doing at, at the avengers facility in matching white uniforms so I don't know. People have speculated those are possibly time travel uniforms. So at some point in time, they had. It looks like they had a battle. Whether or not they they overcame it or lost to it, I'm not entirely sure. But it just seems kind of weird that they're they're looking for possibly even maybe one or even two really huge battles in the film, which could take place because it is like I said within a three hour time frame. So it could be the first time we failed, and the, but the second time we succeed. Right. So, yeah, we, we don't know. I My theory is that the white suits are going to have something to do with them going into the quantum realm, because obviously Ant-Man has to wear something specific when he goes into the quantum realm. So that's what I'm I'm thinking. 
is going to happen. But there had to have been some kind of fights or battles or something as a result of the Thanos snap. So maybe it maybe it happened in the course of those events, you know, or following those events. My theory is that the Avengers haven't all just been, you know, standing around twiddling their thumbs in the aftermath of what happened. They there had to have been repercussions, fallout. Somebody had to have tried to uh, do something at some time, just out either out of grief or madness or whatever you want to call it. But I, I don't think they're they had bit spent all that time with nothing to do. One final question to ask you on the Avengers Endgame trailer. And if you need to catch the Avengers Endgame trailer, we actually have it on our home site, popculturecosmos.com. That's right, popculturecosmos.com. It's right there for you. There's an article right there. It it gets you right to the actual video itself. You just click on it, enjoy it. If you really need to know where to go to find the Avengers Endgame trailer, just check it out today on popculturecosmos.com. One last question I want to ask you, is there any other points of interest that really just stuck out at you because I have one that I'm going to talk about here in a sec, but I want to make sure that you share your final thoughts on the Avengers Endgame trailer before we head on out to a break. Yeah, well, there were two for me. One, I like seeing you know Rocket with War Machine. That seems like a a good pairing on the part of the Russo brothers, and also seeing Brie Larson's interaction with Thor like that was interesting to me because like she was. You know, again, we discussed this on the Captain Marvel spoiler cast. Is are they going to replay that scene in the movie, or are they just going to have that be an in credit scene? But I really want to know, like, because Thor is allegedly the one of the most powerful beings in the MCU, and how he stacks up against her would be interesting to me because you know, there's obviously they're both very aware of their powers and their abilities and what they can do. So uh, I just want to see how that meetup happens for the first time. That's exactly what I was going to point towards was at the end of the Avengers Endgame trailer, Thor and Captain Marvel come to a standoff. They're looking at each other very silently with very deadly looks for a couple seconds. She gives him a little bit of a smirk and then he actually comes up and says, I like her. And that ends the trailer. So it's very interesting that type of dynamic, what may go on between those two, because like you said, they're two of the most powerful of the Avengers. So it, it just, to me, the, like I said, the trailer for me actually connected with me on a different level, on a much higher level than the first one did. I was still excited after seeing the first one, but it this one just makes me just get amped up even more. I know my daughters had to keep on re-watching it and re-watching it and re-watching it and re-watching it just because they were so amped up as far as the actual trailer itself being so good to them. And... It looks like from all instances out there, it's probably going to break records when it comes to viewage for YouTube. So I'm sure they're going to be thrilled about that. Marvel Entertainment looks like they've got another hit on their hands. It's going to be something that a lot of people are pointing to. And come April 26, 2019, a lot of people are really going to be out there to watch Avengers Endgame. What are your thoughts out there on Avengers Endgame? You caught the trailer. I know you did. And if you didn't, it's on our popculturecosmos.com site. And after you've watched it, we need to know, what are your thoughts on what's going on with Avengers Endgame? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Did you like some of the details in it? What stuck out to you the most when it comes to the latest Avengers Endgame trailer? Please Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. 
Well, like I said, it's going to be a great show we've got for you today. We were talking Xbox Live, Captain Marvel, Division 2, and so much more. And this is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. My friend, Division 2. This is something that a lot of people were eagerly anticipating coming out. It's finally hitting stores this weekend. It's the latest game from Ubisoft, which just came out with a game last month. But then again, EA is doing pretty much the same thing. So this is the latest game from Ubisoft. It is a sequel to a, I guess, a very successful game as far as, I don't know if you want to call it a living MMO type deal or shooter type living environment co-op MMO oh, yeah. type experience survival but, would you say would you say survival would be a uh, genre yeah kind of survival aspects of it yeah but like I said it's also type of a shooter type deal as well so it, it I actually played the original a little bit it it was entertaining for what it was but the division two looks like from all instances to be more refined in that shooting aspect but your thoughts on division two as it hits stores this weekend do you think it will go ahead and surpass what div- the original Division game has done? Or do you think the concept is something that, okay, it was really good for the time it came out at, at what, three, four years ago. But it, at this point in time, with so many other diversions, it might get hurt and it might get overlooked, especially at this point in time in 2019. Well, it's not really the the timing of the game that concerns me. Because if you look at Division 1, Excellent game, very good game. And I I play I didn't actually play it that came out on Games Pass, but if you look at when that game came out, it took it, you know, a year and a half, two years before it became the game that everybody was super stoked to play. So my concern is what what is it going to be at launch? You know, what what is in store for us? I know Ubisoft has a tendency to put games out just to to meet those quarterly uh, earnings reports. But what what's it going to be at launch? You know, is it going to be complete? Are we going are we going to get a, a big day one patch? What's going to happen with this game? How is it going to stack up against the first one? Because if it's not a complete game, then why are people even going to bother with it? Granted, the footage at E3 looked amazing, looked like a very beautiful game, very terrifying game. But again, you know, with Ubisoft and EA are notorious for this. What's it going to be at launch? That's my big concern. I have that concern as well because these days, what the massive day one patch seems to be the norm and not the exception. I mean, I am I wrong in that assessment because Anthem did it too. Yeah, yeah. So Anthem was an issue. It's quarterly earnings, you know, and like I, I applaud companies like Rockstar Games who kind of took a step back and looked at the process of quarterly earnings versus burnout versus quality control. What does that look like? I, I admire that. 
you know, and as as someone who loves games, I'm perfectly fine stepping back for a minute and saying, you know, I would rather have a quality game than something come out on a promised release date. And that's the thing with promised release dates is it creates pressure because I don't I don't want another Mass Effect Andromeda, you know, and that's what I, I fear with future Bioware games coming down the line, which obviously happened with Anthem. But I, I feel like you maybe play less games than me, but like you're more in tune with the number side of the business. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a complete experience or something coming out just so you could buy it and play it? Well, I agree with you on that. It's all nice and good that you want to do it before the end of your fiscal year, which is March. But to me, if it's not a complete game and you have to do so much fixing, there is so much bad PR that comes from it. People will leave the game. People will go ahead and not even try it or not even play it or not even continue to play it because there's so many other diverse options out there. They can just go for free and go to Apex Legends and not even have to deal with any of that stuff that they're paying $60 for when it comes to Division 2 or Anthem or any of those games. Battlefield 5 is coming out with their own Battle Royale mode later on this month. So, I mean, there's so many other diverse options. We talked about Ubisoft. They just brought out Far Cry New Dawn last month. So, I mean, there's just so many different diversions at this point in time, not to mention all the stuff that came out over the holiday season, which people, I'm sure, for the most part, have not finished completely. So they could just go back into the library there. It just doesn't make any sense these days to go ahead and put out something that's incomplete or rushed because when you do that you make mistakes and you leave a bad first impression with gamers and gamers do not tolerate that at all i mean we've seen now in the in recent years with no man's sky destiny destiny 2 where the game ends up being really good on the back end of its life cycle but by that time so many players have jumped ship and so many other players have said, you know what, I've seen so many problems up front, I don't even want to deal with it, that they don't care about what you've done to refine the game that's made it so good at the back end of its life cycle. You need to have something that's good on the front end of the cycle and that's refined and that scores well with critics because that to me is something much, much more important. And if it means you delaying six months, then you know what, you need to delay six months. And I think you and I were pretty much hinting that around the time of Anthem, especially with all the, the mixed reviews and all the things that, that needed to be done as far as a huge day one patch, I think they just needed to go ahead and put it out as a fall release, and I think they would have been much better off. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching.
And we're also reaching this point with gaming where the people who buy the game day one or the first few weeks are the beta testers pretty much. And that's just not that's not okay to me. That's that's really not okay. So we we pay sixty dollars for a game and it ends up we hate it, it's garbage, and then they they go, Oh, but we promise we'll fix this, this, and this. And then but by the time they fix that, that and that, it becomes so bad or i'm so angry at the game that i don't even want to go back and play it so you shouldn't you know this is their way of getting free beta testing this whole thing like games as a service or games as a uh what do they call it when they put story content out after the game comes out like game dlc deal not dlc but like this is the the new landscape of gaming is this ever evolving landscape things are constantly going to be changing it's the game is in development even as it comes out and i don't think that's right i don't think that's fair it and you know, especially with these big games like this, because a lot of us don't have the money to be guinea pigs. You know, we're paying 60 bucks is a lot of money out of our paychecks, you know, especially with all the other stuff we have to pay for. So it just it doesn't seem right to me. And a lot of developers are taking advantage of this just because it's, well, this is the new norm. And that I just I'm not OK with that. I'm not either, but unfortunately, it is now a reality and a way of life for these companies to go ahead and do the business the way they do it. And it's just not right the way they, until they hear from our wallets and our pocketbooks. Because like I said, gamers can just easily walk over or just basically with their mouse go over or their, their controller and just go over and choose Apex Legends for free and play that to their heart's content and not even have to spend a dime if they don't choose to. Or a game like Fortnite, the most popular game in the world. They don't have to spend a dime on that if they don't want to. So there you go. That's the big issue that I have with these $60 games. The competition is now more fierce than ever for gamers' attention. And if you do not have all your ducks in a row, you are going to make a bad first impression with gamers. And that is just something gamers will not tolerate because... For the most part, they won't care about coming back to the game. There'll be another five, ten games that they can go ahead and play instead that might be better off than one of these AAA titles that just couldn't get their development right as it got closer to the release date. Right, right. And it's just, you know, again, like you said, there's so many other games out there to play. And why it goes back to this whole thing about like E3, right? They show us these these rad videos of what the game could be and then we buy the game we don't actually get any of that in the game so it, it's just game developers are very deceptive in these practices and they know what they're doing and they know how they're marketing games they're gonna obviously gonna market to the things that we want but you know back to division two i i hope that it's good i'm you know i'm holding out hope for it i i really enjoyed playing the first one you know again it is something that you is you do need to play with your friends. It's not something that's easy to to play through by yourself, but it's fun. I hope that it ends up being the game that was promised to us at E3. Hopefully Ubisoft knows that there's a lot riding on this and they don't put out some half complete product. But again, you know, it just seems to be par for the course these days. And the only time I've ever seen it done correctly in the past year was with god of war and that was kind of the or god of war and uh, red dead 2 were the both very complete experiences right after launch but division 2 at this point in time it's getting pretty good reviews it's being thought of as successful as far as a game or even more so in some cases as its predecessor the original division so for the most part it's getting okay reviews and it looks like it will do 
pretty good, but in a crowded marketplace, it's just going to be hard for it to continually stand out like its predecessor did because that was kind of a little bit different off the beaten path type of novel concept that I think some gamers really wanted to go ahead and delve into and spend many hours on. Division 2 may only cater to hardcores and not bring new players in, which is what you need to do with sequels, expand that player base. I think it's going to contract a little bit. I don't see the same type of success for Division 2 that the Division had, but I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. I just think at this point in time with Apex Legends, Fortnite, PUBG, so many different options in the Battle Royale genre, plus whatever Battlefield 5, plus whatever Call of Duty is doing, all these other games that are out there that are giving people a choice, I think it's going to be hard for The Division 2 to really stand out. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, Xbox Live, it's going places, man. Starting with what we talked about, what, about a month ago with a possible Xbox Live feature on the Nintendo Switch. Now, this week, they also announced that they are heading or have headed to iOS and Android, which is, I guess, at some point, it's mind-boggling because we did not think this was going to happen even three, five years ago. And not only top of that, Halo, the Master Chief Collection, is now being sold together and separately on Steam. So that, to me, is something that's very different because, as you know, Microsoft tried its own game engine for the PC that they could sell games off of and and had the Halo Vista version, the Halo PC version and all that. And that didn't go over so well. So your thoughts on Xbox Lives uh, as far as on these different platforms, does it intrigue you at all? What's the what's the purpose of it being on all these different platforms? And what are the what do you think the true motivation is for for Microsoft actually putting Xbox Live on all these different platforms. Uh, I think accessibility is a big thing, but I also think that, you know, with all this talk about Sony seeing the success of the Switch and wanting to get into mo- the mobile marketing and and how the the PS the Vita and the PSP failed and now Microsoft saying, how can we not only make our products more accessible but also get into the mobile market without having to create a mobile console? And I think that's a huge thing. And also, like, the the idea of, like, how long have we been saying, hey, it would be cool if, uh, you know, we could play this game or that game on our Xbox while our friends played on PC or whatever it was that they had. And, you know, for the first time in a long in forever, we're finally being able to do something like that, especially with Games Pass being available on PC and Microsoft putting games on Steam and so on and so forth. Xbox is doing very very clever marketing especially if the rumors about xbox live being on the switch are true that's an even better idea so it's it's i think accessibility is a big thing and that's something that they are absolutely wrecking playstation at but it's also this idea of like hey i i can't you know i can't play i can't take my xbox with me and play halo in the car or something you know and it's even now the cloud gaming system you have to have your console on in or at at home in order to be able to play it like on your laptop or whatever so the idea that i can plug my phone into my xbox controller and i don't have to have my console on i can play a game like you know the master chief collection or forza horizon or whatever it is on an xbox controller 
you know, hundreds of miles away from my house while, you know, sitting on a dock somewhere or something like that. Like that is incredibly appealing. And that is something that I'm, I don't think I'm the only gamer who wants something like that. And I think that Microsoft is, is answering that call. Like how do we make Xbox on the go without having to create something like the Nintendo switch? Better have good Wi-Fi on that dock, man. <laughs> hey, well, you know, and that's another thing. Is it going to work on a 4G system? Or 5G? Oh, look out. But uh, yeah, hopefully you don't have T-Mobile because then you're screwed either way. <laughs> or Sprint. But we won't go there. When it comes to what's going on with Xbox Live, yes, it's great that they're going ahead and being possibly even being on all these different platforms, whether it be mobile, whether it be the Switch. But it is also, I guess, marketing for Xbox, which currently finds itself on the back end of the console wars when it concerns them, Sony, and Nintendo. And being number three for so long now, they just are trying new things. They're just trying to throw darts and, and seeing what sticks. And this is obviously something good for gamers. I found it surprising when I saw that there could be a possible... I guess, alliance with Microsoft and Nintendo putting Xbox Live on the Switch. That pleased me and a lot of other gamers out there that that could be a possibility. And this makes it even more enjoyable. But again, how you know how well is it going to be used on, the, on these services as far as iOS and Android? Because that's pretty vague out there as far as the capabilities of the, all these different cell phones and what they can actually do. Or is it, you know, talk about a tablet or whatever iOS and Android device that you're using, there's so many different variables when it comes to trying to go ahead and effectively play or utilize your mobile phone or mobile product that it's going to be, I guess, kind of, a, to me, a hit and miss on mobile. But the fact that it's there, I think, just makes gamers and makes players and makes casual individuals that are just going ahead and checking this out realize that hey xbox is willing to go the extra mile for gamers out there maybe we should go ahead and take a bigger investment into what microsoft xbox is doing now and down the road so it looks like to me that uh, the xbox live being on all these different platforms is a good thing and hopefully it will lead to more great things like this with maybe playstation nintendo and more coming up down the road in the coming years as we expand our reach and also are, are the way we actually do subscriptions such as Xbox Live. Sorry, one more thing. Like, think about it too. Like, you know, Nintendo's got a busy indie dev system right now, but how many devs would be interested in the Microsoft platform? Could their products be played on so many different platforms too? So again, accessibility, I think, is, is a key marketing strategy in this situation. Couldn't agree with you more, my friend, but I am excited as Xbox Live hits mobile products on iOS and Android. And you never know, the future may also have Xbox Live on a Nintendo Switch sometime very soon. What are your thoughts out there on Xbox Live's expanding reach out there? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, let us know about your, are, are you playing The Division 2 and do you like it better than the original or do you think it's not quite as good? Share us your thoughts on Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, before we talk about Captain Marvel being essential viewing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and also what Josh wants to talk about with a great game that he's playing, we got to play another great song from our good friend DJ Plasma Z. Haven't played him in a while, but this is one of our favorite songs that you got to check out. 
This is Supernova, and this is the PCC Multiverse. listening to the pop culture cosmos if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos coming right back at you here. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played on radio stations all around the world, seven days a week, you can catch a listing of where we're at on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, also as well on our Twitter and Instagram as well. You'll see a listing right there of all of our different radio stations. And you'll also get some information on all the different podcast networks that we're doing. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share the goods, my friend, what's going on with Humanica Media. So you can check out some of the games I've been playing. Yonder, uh, Cloudcatcher Chronicles, which I'll talk about in a minute. Our past streams like Halo Reach and Gears of War Judgment, Halo Combat Evolved. And also you can check out the latest episode of Topic Eclipse, which is basically just us talking about our favorite games of 2018. Granted, we're like four months late on that, but next year will be a little bit better in our release schedule, but you can check that out now. And apparently we're back on Podcast Radio Network, so you can tune in every Tuesday night for, you know, some sweet, sweet Topic Topicocalypse. That is the Topic Topicocalypse show that's available on all your favorite podcasters and also the Podcast Radio Network as well. But, you know, if you guys started in August, it would be just right on time right there for you. Yeah, right. We're, we're our, our timing's a little off there. Most people release their game, movie stuff of the year in December. So, uh, oh, you know, we're, well, we did right in early January, late December as well. So, right. And here we are in March, and we're just finally getting the rest of that content out. So, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Topic Apocalypse for you. Great shows, nonetheless, no matter when it comes out during the course of the calendar year. Also want to mention as well, three quick things before we head on to our last conversations. Do not want to forget our good friend, Jason Dutch from The Voice from the Underground. He and I did an over, I think, two-hour conversation on fantasy baseball. Everything that we could think of, we talked about. It is The Voice from the Underground. You want to check it out today on Podbean and many other podcast outlets. It was a great conversation, and I hope you'll find it stimulating and helpful to your cause in fantasy baseball as well. Plus, also, we officially announced the charity event that we're doing at Retro City Games on April the 25th. So we're going to do tournaments with prizes during the course of that evening. Plus, we're going to be doing a lot of things for some great charities. So start saving your money. Start getting those cans together. Start getting those wrap toys together because, once again, we're going to be doing a great event. Plus, music from Vettius, Hyperschmidt, Trudai, and he's and Vettius told me he might have another band coming as well. So you'll be able to catch it again on April 25th at Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada. We're also going to be doing a panel that weekend on the 27th at the Level Up Expo. It's going to be a recording of the Pop Culture Cosmos show in front of a live audience at Level Up Expo. Be part of the fun. Our panel is on Saturday the 27th from 3 to 4.30 p.m. Pacific Coast time. It's just so much fun we're going to be doing. We're going to have a whole bunch of guests. A lot of our regular crew is going to be there. A lot of the the special guests we've had over the course of the past year are going to be there as well. Vettius and Hyperschmidt, Trudai. So we're going to be doing a lot of great stuff there in the middle 
of this great Level Up Expo. The tickets for you want to find out more information on exactly what's going on at Level Up Expo because it's going to be a great weekend of pop culture fun. You got to check it out today at LVLUPEXPO.com or Level Up Expo on Facebook. And then last but not least, Josh Peterson, Jamie and Tony Monroy from GameSource and I, we shared our thoughts in detail, spoilerific, on Captain Marvel. You got to check out that Captain Marvel spoiler cast today on Podbean and all of our other great podcast networks. My friend, speaking of Captain Marvel, I posed this question out on the spoiler cast, and that is this. Your thoughts on Captain Marvel as an essential tool for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're not saying if it's a bad or good movie. That's not in question here. We're just asking, is it essential for someone who has not seen any of the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that wants to catch up and wants to get the best highlights or the best things to reference before going into Endgame, is Captain Marvel essential viewing for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And maybe if you could also mention a couple other movies you think are or are not essential watching as well. Well, obviously Iron Man is essential. I think all of the first adventure films outside of Incredible Hulk are essential watching because they kind of set the stage, you know, for S.H.I.E.L.D., the Avenger Initiative. They kind of they introduce uh, Thor, Captain America, Black Widow, uh, Hawkeye, things like that. I feel like that's essential viewing. Captain Marvel... I always look at what's essential viewing based on what the film content, right? So Captain Marvel, they introduced S.H.I.E.L.D. in the 90s. Was S.H.I.E.L.D. already introduced? Yes. They introduced the Skrull and the Kree. Were the Skrull and the Kree already introduced? The Kree were introduced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The Skrull were introduced? In... No, no. Okay, so there, there's that. And that maybe that's important. But I know they were referenced a lot in like Gardens of the Galaxy and stuff like that. So... They, the cosmic side of it, Ronan the Accuser, things like that, they were already introduced. I want to say it's not essential viewing just based on the fact that I know in Endgame they're going to talk, who is this lady? Where did she come from? And they're going to give a brief backstory on who she is. Because Marvel knows, because good marketing on their part, they know that a lot of the people who are going to see Endgame aren't going to see Captain Marvel, just like they know a lot of people who saw Infinity War didn't go see Black Panther. So, you know, and even in Infinity War, they they talked a lot about Black Panther, what he was doing, where he's from, what the country stood for, so yada, yada, stuff like that. So, again, you know, there's not really a lot of new concepts outside the scroll introduced in Captain Marvel. And so if you were to ask me, is it essential viewing? I would say no, but is it worth watching? I would say yes. Exactly. Is it worth watching? We both said the movie is okay, and we thought, you know, is it worth watching? Yes, we did. But is it essential? I'm going to say no, it's not essential, essential to watch. I mean, if you want to catch up on the major parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you'll get to know exactly what's going on with her, like you said, with probably a brief reminder of who she is in Avengers Endgame. Plus, people have seen via the various trailers and also as well the commercials to understand how good she is, how powerful she is, and how important she is to the actual overall Marvel Cinematic Universe by the time Avengers Endgame comes out. So they know pretty much that she's going to be a heavy hitter when it comes to the Avengers. I think there are films like Thor The Dark World, even Ant-Man. Those, to me, are not essential movies to the overall scheme of things. I think the second Ant-Man movie is important to essential watching because you find out so much more when it comes to the quantum realm. 
Is Doctor Strange essential watching? I'm going to say yes. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, no. Guardians of the Galaxy, yes. How about something like Thor Ragnarok, a very well-received movie, but is it essential to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Uh, I, I would say no, but also if you're a continuity-obsessed person like myself, I would say yes. If, it, if you're just jumping into it, there's no need to, to watch it because you can't watch Ragnarok and not go back and watch the other two just to find out more about Thor. Because Thor Ragnarok relies heavily on references from Thor The Dark World. So I would say if you're just jumping into something like a if you're an Avengers jumper, you know, you go from one Avengers film to the next, I would say no. But if you're someone who wants to know all the ins and outs of what's going on in each Avenger film... I would say yes, because there's a lot of lead-in. So, and that that's the big issue when it comes to essential viewing is how obsessed with the story are you? What kind of movie fan are you? Do you want to go in and just enjoy it or do you want to go in and know everything about every character? And, you know, that's where you hit that gray area with essential viewing. But, you know, if you, again, if you're someone who's just going in to watch the Avenger flicks and you don't really have to worry about movies like Thor Ragnarok and the Dark World and stuff because Thor is there and they kind of give you a brief filler on like what he's been up to in the time between one film and the next. I'm going to shock you here, my friend. I'm going to shock you. Shock me. Okay. You know my Pop Culture Cosmos Guide to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know you've read it. You know my order of the films that, that, that the far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I think is from best to worst. And I will be updating it with Captain Marvel here in the near future, but you've you've seen it. I know you have. Yes, I have. I'm going to say this, that the number one film on my list is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Boom. Yes. Awesome I agree. It, I agree. It is not essential for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At this point, if you're just wanting to know and be educated before Endgame, it is not essential viewing because it deals with Hydra. And Hydra is nowhere to be really to be seen, at, at least as far as I know, when it comes to Endgame at this right. point. Right, and that was weird to me because they cracked that big egg open in Winter Soldier, and then they closed it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show that a lot of Marvel film fans don't actually care about that much. So that was interesting. You know, and it's like, if you're one of those people, again, you know, it depends on how into the characters in the world you are, because if you're one of those people who watches the end credit scenes, like in Black Panther, you're going to want to know who the winter soldier is where did he come from what's what's his deal absolutely so you can disagree with us or agree with us we want to hear your thoughts what are the movies that are essential viewing for the marvel cinematic universe leading into avengers endgame just think if you had a friend who hasn't watched any of the marvel movies but really is excited about going to see endgame but they don't want to be left out of the hook as far as who's this who's that who's this who's that and you had to only show them maybe half of the films or or even five to seven of them probably be seven to ten in my opinion as far as at least so they can get a good idea of what the marvel cinematic universe is all about which ones would you choose let us know share your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos humanica media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I really thank you for, for hanging out with me today on this awesome episode, plus also as well thanking DJ Plasma Z. But I know you had some kind words to say about a game you're playing. So please share your thoughts on the game you're playing and why it's so good before we head on out. 
Right. So the good people over at Prideful Sloth were kind enough to send me a review code of their game, Yonder, the Cloudcatcher Chronicles. And I got to say, like, for something built in the Unity engine, this game is incredibly impressive. Super cool because it's kind of a Legend of Zelda-esque type game. But it's also kind of like Harvest Moon or Stardew Valley. You know, it's a farming simulator, but it's also very quest oriented. So it's huge for such a small game. And I admire the time it took to go into it because you don't do anything in the game that feels pointless. And it, it's got it really reminds me of, of Zelda, not Breath of the Wild, I would say, but something in the vein of Zelda. And it's fun. It's simple. And it's a very cheap game, but it has hours of playtime. So I just want to give a shout out to Prideful Sloth. I'm digging this game so much right now. I'm going to have a review popping up here soon. But if you get a chance, check the game out. It's called Yonder Cloudcatcher Chronicles. It's available on Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and I want to say Steam also. It sounds like it's a great game, so definitely check that out indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hey, it's Sean from the Soul Forge podcast. Join me and the gang as we guide you through the adventures of living. It's life, the universe, and everything. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the ESO Network, SoulForgePodcast.com, and everywhere else you find podcasts. The SoulForge Podcast. Let's find out together. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.